Hi guys, you're listening to the Morning After the Life Before podcast. I'm Jack Schofield. Hello. And I'm Sam Courty. And the idea of this podcast is we're going to invite guests on to talk about their unheard stories behind their success and their character. We want to listen to their mischievous childhoods, bumpy educations and stories that don't quite fit the stereotypical model. The idea is we're going to wake up to find out what really happened behind the scenes and stories that never quite made it to social media. This podcast is currently supported and produced by the team at 226 Photography. Hello, we are back. Um, I should apologise for the delay on this one. It's entirely my fault from being super busy, but we've got a bit of time now, so I've put this one out. Um, this is just a chat with me and Sam, and then hopefully next week we'll have uh, a podcast coming with our guest, who we're really looking forward to bringing that one. We've already recorded it, so yeah, that'll be out later this week as well. Uh, we hope you enjoy this chat with me and Sam, and this is why Sam talks about Wimbledon. That's how long ago it was, but yeah, enjoy. The horizontal podcasting. Yeah, exactly, on your new setup. When you set up <laughs> in a horizontal position. Yeah, I, I should also make the disclaimer early doors that I don't have my microphone because I'm in Cheshire and it's in Leeds. So I'm through a new set of headphones. So I hope I don't sound too tinny. Uh, you sound okay to me. I mean, I have a fancy new microphone that I've had for six months, but had to buy a laptop to use it. Um, <laughs> so... we should, I'm sure we'll come on to the story of why you've had to buy a laptop. Oh, yes. Yeah. But how is the new microphone? Where have you got it? How is it positioned? I will send you a photo, but obviously all of our listeners can't see a photo. So I'm lying. I'm lying in bed. Right. And I have the microphone set. So I'm lying as close to like one side of my bed as I can. I have the microphone set up on my bedside table. I've then got my laptop next to me. And I'm not going to lie. I also have my iPad on showing Andy Murray at Wimbledon. (laughs) shock it's it's currently about half six so if somehow this podcast goes on to 9 p.m that'll transition into love island oh yeah and we'll also i'll also then be commentating on what's happening on love island (laughs) but murray is currently three two up in the first set but it's no break of sip yet so no need to get too excited i was checking the date of our last podcast and um, obviously we had a break and then came back and said we were doing season two. And that was in February. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then shit hit the fan. It was actually the last day of February. And then it all went down for real. Sick. <laughs> Good work, guys. A lot's happened. Great admin. Yeah, how are you getting on? Physically, I've been in a much better way. Mentally, actually doing okay. Um, yes, was it yesterday? Yesterday I was very bored. Um, but actually, given everything that's happened, our spirits are actually quite high. So you're, what, four days since operation? A week today. And then when did you travel? Came back home on Wednesday. For the people that don't know us, or you very well, do you want to... There's a bit of a story to tell. Through... <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk through your last two months, three months. When did we... Probably the last two months has probably been... Well, I mean, the last podcast we did, pretty sure we we just we spoke about. I think I'd had my I'd had my back injection, I'd had the epidural, yeah. and we were like, 
I was like back on track. Things were going well. Training was going well. Yeah. And then optimistic for that to be the end of the back issues until after the Olympics when you were planning on getting, getting the surgery. Yeah. 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 So up until about, I think, I mean, actually, I remembered what the day was the other day. All changed on the 17th of May. Yeah. Over, over a month ago. Basically, yeah. so we were training in the pair. Everything was going well. The boat was going fast. We were planning on racing at Lucerne, which was the yeah. final World Cup. And then the week before, I had to fill into the women's eight for a few sessions. I didn't feel particularly comfortable in the boat for a number of reasons. Uh, back was getting a bit sore, but like nothing horrendous. Did pieces, was all good. Went home for the weekend, training done, box ticked. And then woke up Sunday morning and literally couldn't move. Like my back had just gone into a complete back spasm overnight. Couldn't like, it took me ages to get out of bed. I then spent the whole day trying to fix my back basically. So I was doing like all of the stuff that I usually do, like the hot and the cold, ibuprofen, like the exercises that I do, not sitting down, only lying down, complex on, like solidly for like 14 hours. And by the end of the day, I hadn't got any better. And I think then I realised what was going to happen, like what the outcome of that was. Previously, when my back had back spasmed, it had got, so it happened like once before when we came back from while when I flew out to Europeans to be a spare but it lasted for like 24 hours and like within those 24 hours it got like significantly better this just wasn't getting any better so I think by the end of the day I was like right and kind of know what this means but it's really easy in your head knowing it and saying it but the hard part came the next morning when I went to training and I didn't actually go to the training where everyone was I'd already messaged ahead and spoke to the physio and was like I need to see you before I try and do any training yeah so spokes went in she is like okay like touch the floor and I'm not joking I like couldn't even get my knee my hands like past my knees I just could not move in that forward flexion it was like one of those moments where we both knew, like we were both like we both knew what this meant, but it was like who was going to be the one to initiate that conversation first? I think the physio just turned around and was just like, "So, what do you want to do?" Burst into tears, and I was like, "I need to get the surgery, don't I?" So that was it, really. Um, they was quite busy in the physio room, so then they took me through to the doctor's room. So then I sat on my own in the doctor's room. And the doctor came in and she was like, what's happened? And I told her and I was like, oh, I think I'm going to have to get this, get my surgery. It was like, it's really hard because I think I could, It's re- it was a horrible decision to make. To- this is like the Olympics I'm turning down and it's I've trained for it for five years in the team. The years beforehand, it's it's been like my absolute goal since I was little. Yeah for me to have to be the one to put my hand up and be like you know what I actually can't do this 
this time around. It was made easier by the fact that I'm a huge team player and I don't like letting people down. And I know that it's not only my dream to go to the Olympics, but there are 20 other women that I train with every day that it's also their dream to go to the Olympics. And I didn't want to go away on camp, do all the pre-Olympic stuff, be in a position where my back was to go again, the effect of that happening would have a much bigger impact on their Olympics. I trained so hard from January up until like literally the day, like the weekend before, like in that May, and my back had been fine without even giving my back like a second thought while I was doing the training. I just don't think going forward I would have been able to do that. I think it would have always been in the back of my mind that there was the potential it could go again and I just didn't trust it. Do you think you could have pieced yourself together for the Olympics? You don't think you'd have done it good enough? You don't think that would have been fair on everyone else? Yeah, like I I think yeah. like if I didn't trust it, I then can't expect no, everybody yeah. else to trust it either. And for me, a massive part of racing, well, one of the, if not the biggest part of racing is that trust between teammates. There is, I just, I just can't expect them to trust to have a hundred percent trust in my back if I don't have a hundred percent trust in it, and I think I could have probably put like ninety five percent trust in it, but that five percent to me makes quite a big difference. It was hard actually. The worst part of that whole day was actually telling Annie, your pair's partner, that I was going to go ahead and have the surgery because we were supposed to be racing at Lucerne. The pair was going really well. And it was going like the fastest it's ever gone. And we were so excited to race. Like even if racing didn't didn't accumulate to anything, we were just so excited to go out there, see how fast we could go. I just felt awful that the rest of her season could potentially be over because of my back injury. And so that was the hardest, the hardest conversation to have that day because I don't feel like I've let anyone else down. And I've always said that, and I've mentioned it quite a few times on the podcast. It's out of your control as well, though, right? Like, you have done everything you can to keep your back in, like, to the letter, to keep your back in one piece for Tokyo. Like, there is literally nothing more you could have done. Yeah, and thankfully... Yeah, you can't hold yourself accountable for something that is, is out of your control, really. Yeah, and thankfully, like, Annie had seen all of that, and she was brilliant. Yeah. Like, obviously, she wasn't going to turn around and say anything to me but I did feel better knowing that she knew I'd done everything I'd literally not left a stone unturned when it came to looking after my back the time between January and when it went like it hasn't been any form of like quality of life is what the physios kept saying to me I spent like so much time on a physio bed I was having acupuncture twice a week I was seeing a soft tissue therapist I didn't sit down in between my training sessions. I would either be lying down because I just had to save the time that I could sit down for training. I had a complex on. I'd have a hot water bottle with me the whole time. I didn't drive anywhere, like any long distance, because I I knew my back wouldn't enjoy it. Like I literally lived and breathed my back. I'm glad I did it because I, I don't have any regrets. It meant that Annie could understand it possibly better than knowing that I had tried everything yeah that was that was like awful and then telling my mum and dad I didn't feel as bad telling them because I don't do it for anyone else anymore like I do it for me and I can get over 
not going to the Olympics because I know in the back of my mind that, okay, I haven't made this one, but there's always like Paris. And that's why I went and had the back surgery because I'm not giving up rowing. I just, I'm not going to this one. What are the next steps then? You've obviously one week post-surgery for the people that you haven't, maybe haven't spoken to since the surgery, you know, how is it looking for your rehab? What are the timeframes? Like what, well, we'll start with that to begin with. And then I've got another question after that. So for the first six weeks, I'm only allowed to do like I, the most I'll get up to is like walking and some easy core. This is where classic me is going to come into this. I genuinely thought I'd be like skipping out of hospital the same day. I also thought I was having keyhole surgery. I also told everyone <laughs> I was having keyhole surgery. And then when we've now seen the scar, the first thing my dad turned around and said, well, that's a fucking big key. It's not keyhole. <laughs> <laughs> and I also had to stay in hospital. I didn't skip out of hospital the same day. Reality check. <laughs> it's probably going to take a bit longer than I thought it was going to. Yeah, so for this first six weeks, I'm only really going to get up to walking an easy core and like start seeing a physio so they can like give me some things to do. I'm not allowed to drive for six weeks, which is going to be a pain in the ass. And I hate, hate, hate being dependent on people like I am one of the most independent people I know I like hate relying on anyone to do anything so that's probably gonna be one of the biggest challenges is me like not doing too much and actually having to ask for help that and then the second six week block is progressive cycling and progressive weights which would be good I'm hoping at some point in that block as well I can get into the the IRU, which is the EIS have an intensive rehab unit based at Bisham. That's basically you go for like a couple of weeks and they have a nutritionist, a doctor, a physiologist, an SNC coach. They have like everything. And there I think they only have spaces for like one or two, maybe three athletes at a time. And you basically get like seriously intensive care, which would be great. Yeah. Um, if I could get into that I'm kind of hoping because it'll be around it'll be like post Tokyo I'm kind of hoping it'll be empty um, so I will get a space there which would be really good and then so that takes us to three months and then the plan is after those three months I should be able to build back up on the rowing machine and on the water but I'm actually going to take my break after those six weeks after those 12 weeks sorry I've done rehab before and I know how mentally draining it is and I just feel like before I really kick off and start the next Olympiad I want to have a break so you heard it here first officially on the record Sam is saying after rehab she's having a break <laughs> yeah but the reason why I'm waiting <laughs> Okay, we'll I'm going to give some context to this break before people don't understand my definition of a break. Here we go. Here's the disclaimers. <laughs> I've decided to take my break after the 12 weeks because I want to be able to do stuff. I want to be able to... My parents have a camper van. I want to be able to drive up and down the length of the country, seeing friends, doing fun activities, 
without having to worry about my back for like the first time in a year and so my break probably won't look like I'm lying on a beach or training diet and racing and you know a proper break that you haven't had for years yeah I'm gonna have like fun yeah fun with inverted commas that, I think that needs phrasing differently yeah it's not that training isn't fun you know like you love the lifestyle you have it's just there are things that you don't get always get to do in that situation that you really want to do yeah I'm basically just not going to be a rower yeah. for yeah. a few weeks and it's not yeah. going to be a massive break yeah. because I do want to get back in there and hit the ground running and I will be behind people I mean I don't I'm not sure when everyone else has to go back I think after the Olympics there's always a much longer break but I want to be like up there ready to go joining in with everyone when they all get back I really hope that's a figure of speech because we know what you're like after running. Yeah, I'm probably not going to. Be... Hey, you never know. This might be the start of something new. This might oh, be God. the start of my career. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm actually really running out of things I can actually do. Um, I thought rowing was the only thing I could do. Yeah, well, six weeks of walking, that gives you a chance to injure another three parts of your body. Exactly. And then I have to do some cycling, which gives me a chance to ruin the rest. Just wait until they suggest I go swimming. And then we're like, complete. honestly, everyone just laughs now when I'm like, oh, I actually can't do that. You're the only person myself. I know that could probably actually injure themselves in a pool. I actually had to have surgery after that one as well. So, no, but I think like, I think everyone is quite, I mean, I sound quite a beat talking about it. And I know I sound quite a beat and it's actually not even like a show. I understand like it's crap and I'm missing the Olympics. I honestly, hand on heart, can say the rowing that I did, even in a season that was like really, really shit, I was full of stress, I was full of crap, the end of unbelievable decisions. As soon as me and Annie got in the boat and got out on the water in that pair, we had like the best time. I've really, really enjoyed my rowing this year, like really enjoyed it. There's, there's people who are off the Olympics who I would say I've had a better time this year than. I know my goal is to go to the Olympics and I will get there just in my own time. <laughs> At the moment, I'm just making sure I have a lot of really good chapters for my autobiography before I get there. <laughs> and that's how we're going to phrase it. <laughs> it comes back to that conversation with Annie, right? Like, this would be infinitely harder if we were having the what if discussion. Yeah. You know, like, th there isn't a what if because you did everything you could so it's not like ah, oh, what if I'd done an extra hour of rehab a week or what if I had not done that extra session like there was none of that like everything you could control you did yeah so you you can't have or you don't have any regrets which is why it's infinitely easier to take because you're not looking back thinking oh I was so close like, you obviously were so close but there's nothing more you could have done and and you have given it everything and did and are continuing to give it everything obviously now the focus has shifted that I suppose is probably adding to the, the part of making it easier to deal with because you're not yeah beating yourself up about anything like people always talk about like going through life and having no regrets like yeah as you say I actually don't have any regrets at all I tried so hard and my back didn't make it and you know what I can put my hands up and say my back didn't make it this time now yeah. I've gone and I now have a bit of I think plastic in my back in my spine 
that is replacing the disc that wasn't up to the job. And nice. hopefully that will be that will do the trick. So what's the focus for the next sort of specifically the next six weeks? Because obviously after that, the focus is rehab. That rehab takes much more time than staying off your feet for the next six weeks, which means you need to occupy yourself quite a bit more. Have you kind of like thought through? Well, this probably leads us on to partly why you've bought a laptop, but oh, have yeah. you given any, any other projects a thought? Well, I was like randomly looking through. So I have tried because I'm like, I love structure. I love timetables. I love being told what to do. Current my life doesn't have any of that. Apart from my body clock, this still wakes me up at half five every morning to go training, which is great because I don't have any training to do. I was actually like flicking through Twitter and randomly came across a tweet. I think it was UK Sport. They were advertising a job for a digital communications officer, which um, basically translated as social media person. I applied for that because it's about the only thing I could put on a CV as I have some form of experience for. Um, all of the times I've put my hand up and said I would do an Instagram takeover or in lockdown when I've Instagram interview live things on that, I have this podcast, I've written a blog, Turns out I'm a very out there, open person who likes to speak a lot and spends most of their life on social media. But yeah, so I needed to write a CV. Um, didn't have a laptop, so couldn't write a CV. So had to go out and buy. So also, just to put this into context, I saw this tweet on the Thursday and the job application closed on the Sunday. So I then ordered a laptop from Amazon got that the next day, then spent two days writing a CV and a cover letter. And when I say I did, I had a lot of help from some very helpful friends who helped me with my CV and my cover letter. We have to hope they're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> Shout out to them if they are listening, though. Absolute lifesavers. No, I mean UK Sport. Or hopefully oh, the UK friends Sport. are listening. Oh, yeah, hopefully the friends are listening. They're, but they better be. <laughs> If UK sports listening, what they can take away from this is how dedicated I was to the job. Yeah, resourceful as well. <laughs> yeah. So I just had an interview for that. I'm still waiting to hear back about the interview. So I'm kind of hoping, even if I don't get the job, it's given me, like, I'm going to be up watching the Olympics. I'm going to be watching it. I'm, like, I'm going to be up at ridiculous hours, making sure that I watch every second of it. Some people probably might not want to watch the rowing in my case, but I really want to see how they get on. Like after spending five years with everyone and knowing how much hard work they've all put in, how difficult, especially this last year has been with COVID and training at home in isolation. I just hope they go out there and they just have an amazing time. And despite the Olympics not being probably what any of them dreamt the olympics would be i just i just hope they just they come back and they've had a great time and they've raced well and i really i am really looking forward to watching them yeah i think even if i don't get the job i'm still gonna try and do something because why not i obviously like listening to my own voice i'm not afraid to put a camera up in front of myself and talk so yeah, I might try and do something along the lines of the social media in the Olympics 
but yeah and that's just like the focus this six weeks is definitely just like to try and not get too bored to not go crazy and just like ring people when I'm struggling and things because it's like I think yet yeah, maybe yesterday was like a real woke up and I was like this is crap like I didn't know didn't want anything to eat this is another thing I'm really struggling with as well it's like the whole change like not exercising so not knowing what to eat thing yeah because we've talked about like disordered eating quite a bit on yeah the podcast and I think as athletes it's almost controversially okay to have disordered eating because there's a reason why you're doing it it's part of the lifestyle I think the problem I'm having now is like one I don't have and for this past week I haven't really had an appetite at all and I think that's probably also down to the general anesthetic but it's now that feeling of like guilt of eating stuff when I actually haven't done anything like there was one day I think it was Saturday when it was like really miserable the weather and there was loads of sport on TV. I think I only did like 400 steps. Is it, also, is your bedroom window open? There is one, yeah. Can you hear stuff? <laughs> okay, the birds tweeting in the background. Oh, that's nice. But nice. Wow, this microphone's good. Yeah, honestly, when you listen back to this, you're like, what's that whistling? And we've established oh. it. Um, anyway, you're... <laughs> The, the counter argument to that is that your body needs as much energy as it can to just recover. Yeah. You know, like it's gone through trauma, essentially, through the through the operations. It needs food to make sure that it, it is recovering and it is fixing itself, you know, and you, you will be quite hungry for that to happen. Yeah. So I'm eating like if the stuff that I'm basically I'm just eating well, I think it's making me feel yeah. better. I'm not eating anything like crap. So I'm eating lots of fruit, lots yeah. of vegetables, ticking all of the nutrient boxes. I can actually finally have chocolate again. Woohoo! Two years of not eating yeah. chocolate to go to the Olympics. That really worked out well for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I'm I'm not right. Okay, I'm saying I'm not doing it again. I'm not doing yeah, it. Yeah, w- uh, that was my question. Right. Would you do it again? No. Well, uh, two separate questions. One, will you do it again? Which you've just said no. Two going back would you still trial it again i would okay i wouldn't change anything that i've done so i would i if i was to do it again i would yes i would still go two years with not eating chocolate yeah because i have proven to myself and i've proven to a lot of people that i have an unbelievable level of like self-discipline worryingly actually just the sheer sheer determination yeah that i was just like like the to the point where if I was baking something that was chocolate, I wouldn't lick my finger. I would wash it off. Like I was anal about it. Shocking. I'm disappointed. I'm I'm part partly proud and partly disappointed. Yeah, this is like the this is kind of like there are people just think I'm weird because obviously this is actually a funny story. So Hel- obviously Helen Glover's now back in the team. I've had not had many conversations with her. But one of the com- one of the first conversations I did have with her was someone had bought in a birthday a chocolate birthday cake, and we were sat on the same table having breakfast. And someone came and offered us like, "Oh, do you want a slice of cake?" And I was like, "Oh, what flavor is it? Chocolate? Okay, no, thank you." And Helen just looked at me and was like, "Do you not like chocolate?" 
what I should have just said is like, oh, no, I've like just made up an excuse. <laughs> but instead, I decided to explain to her why I wasn't eating chocolate. And she honestly, I think she just left thinking I was like the weirdest person she'd ever met. Perfect. So, so she got to know you quite well then. Yeah. So I'm now the weirdo that doesn't eat chocolate and gave it up to go to the Olympics and then ended up not going to the Olympics. So then just started eating chocolate again. But actually, the first bite of chocolate was delicious, but I find it very sickly now. So I, there's no way I can eat as much as I did beforehand. Wow, that's good. So I looks like due to factors outside of my control sorry if they're listening um i'm gonna start working in partly like a sponsorship thing and partly like a content creation role with um super sapiens who have just started sponsoring ironman a lot of ironman events and athletes and they're basically the like abbott libra glucose monitor that type 1 diabetics wear to monitor their oh yeah blood sugar levels they've They've developed it for athletes now. and It's becoming quite popular in triathlon. Yeah, I'm quite interested to see how, what effect that has on the way I approach sugar. Because I eat a lot and don't find any... There's nothing that I currently find too sickly. Mm, you should give it up for two years. Nah. What else? What also, so we did... I mean, this is don't know if this is going to be all on the same lines, but when we were back in uni, we did an experiment where we looked at how quickly the sugar got into our bloodstream i think it was like on average people it was about like 30 minutes but for me it actually took an hour it took a lot longer for the so even though that was just like a silly little experiment we did at uni where it wasn't really didn't mean anything i actually now know that i have to have if i want to take a gel or something before i race i have to have it late earlier before the race than what how did you measure that just in the lab yeah we just did it in the lab with uh pinpricks but yeah so i guess you could also measure that as well i'll be able to find yeah i'll be able to find that out surely well yeah it'll show me because it's live so it's quite interesting to know i'm quite interested i'm mostly interested to see it around training and racing see you know like in racing how is my fueling strategy are there points where I'm i'm actually quite low and don't really know it do i have room to you know, not not maybe take on as much. I don't think that that'll ever be the case. Like, if you can take on fuel in racing for us and stomach it, that's only ever going to be a good thing. But yeah, yeah, especially around training. Well, I imagine. I wonder if it's anything. So, like, we always get told with dehydration. Like, as soon as you start yeah. feeling thirsty, it's too late. You're already dehydrated. So, I imagine it's very similar with the sugar. Is if you once you start feeling low, it's possibly too late and you should have taken something sooner oh definitely in a race scenario if you start feeling hungry in a race it's game over because by the time you get that much carb back in your stomach you yeah you're going to have lost a bit of time and make yourself feel sick that is interesting what else have you been up to i've done all the talking we're like 37 minutes in and it's just me talking <laughs> mine says 34 so uh by the time I've cut half of it out, we'll only be on 10 minutes. So. Okay, by the time you've cut all my shit chat out. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I've been pretty busy actually. So if we're in February, then crikey, I don't know what. First thing, so I was locked down in Leeds. I was sort of like still doing a couple of days, three, well, two to three days a week work for Cycle Store, the bike shop, and was living with Vicky, my girlfriend, who hopefully all three of our listeners know. And that was great. And 
I really enjoyed being in Leeds. So kind of then was half looking at when I would move move over. So we put a date on kind of October when I hopefully get back from Hawaii. Then we came out of lockdown. I went back to Cycle Store um, and pretty shortly after got roped into going into, into America. So I got an exemption, flew out to Boulder for a few weeks to do some training and take some... Well, mostly video, actually, and a few photos. Um, and then there's a big Ironman on, which I, again, took photos at, which was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, so that was, like, through May, just after lockdown. And then kind of while I was out there, sort of realised that I was just crazy busy with photography and content creation and not really doing any work for Cycle Store. Um, and they knew that. Like, I I was on and um, I would, like, invoice them an hourly rate. So basically said to them, look, I've only been able to do like just shy of 10 hours a week. I'm not really adding a lot of value. I think it's time for me to go. So the combination of a lot of work and wanting to move my life to Leeds all sort of culminated. And when I got back, I handed my notice in and packed everything up, really. So moved from Cheshire to Leeds. Great. living in Leeds has been amazing being with Vic a lot more we've been long distance for three years now so actually being in one location has been great we've um, not had a lot of time since I have moved in to like do a lot but yeah it's nice to be in the same place and then I kind of hit this sort of like I don't know this kind of like rut last week the week before where I just was like I'd left work I also bought a house, I should add in there. So I bought a house and then my parents that um, I'm sort of doing up at the moment and my sister's going to live in. Quite a fun little project. So I sort of like left and all this stuff was going on and I realised I hadn't really taken like five minutes to just unwind and soak everything in. And yeah, I was just so, so busy that I just all got a bit a bit hectic and a bit much so then uh yeah working for yourself like it seems like the dream on the surface but then it's it, and it is great it's just not without its challenges so I was kind of realized that you know I was up at six seven in the morning getting my training done and then doing a bit of work and then more training and then like back working into the evening and before I know it it's like 11 p.m Vic's been in bed two three hours and all he's worked myself into a, so I, I had the balance completely off uh, which was was really hard, been amazing, but then came with this kind of uh, realization that when given the opportunity, I still just work all hours of the day. So yeah, found myself similarly like not really eating, not really sleeping. There was a period last week when so I was taking photos at a race down at um, Hompier Point, the rowing lake in Nottingham. Oh yeah, yeah. Which you obviously know very well. Great place. Yeah, they put a half Ironman on there and they gave me like a media pass and said like, look, we would love you to come and create some stuff around the race and see what you can do. So it's like an amazing opportunity. So I went down and sussed it out on like the Saturday and then had like a five hour bike ride Saturday afternoon. And then by the time I got, I'd done all that and got back, it was like seven, eight ish. So had some dinner, a bit of work and some admin. And then I got about, three hours sleep so what got we had to be we had to be leaving at four to get down to the venue and then from then I just basically shot the race did a 10 mile run did some editing drove back to Leeds did some more editing and 
And next thing I knew, it was 8am and Vic was going to work. Don't really know what to do here. So went to bed, and like had three hours sleep and I found myself back at my laptop at 11am working again. And I was like, this isn't good for me. Yeah, a bit of a wake up call, I guess, like a reality check. Yeah, it's like this isn't how I envisaged freelance life and like how I want my future to look. I worked until about four and then I was on another photo shoot and then um, and then I just crashed, like completely had a meltdown. Um, and that was quite hard. And it was great. And we sort of spoke through everything and like, you know, I need to work a bit less and say no to more stuff and find the balance a bit better but like it, it kind of culminated when I was like driving to a session basically I've put um, a really big gear set on my bike so I have no little ring little ring anymore there's only like a really really big front ring so I just can't go up hills like big hills so I drive from our house to Harewood House which is just outside Leeds Park there because it's a lot flatter so I can go and actually ride and I found myself driving to a session and it just like was like crying and I was like what like what is going on like some something's not right here and this this that isn't all right so yeah kind of like just took a step back for a couple of days stopped working as much and spent a bit of time chilling out and that sort of thing and organizing the next couple of months and like I'm sure I'll have busy times but I certainly won't be obliterating myself because the reason I do it all is to like enjoy having the freedom I have like you know if someone calls me and says I'm actually I'm going on another adventure in three weeks time we're um riding around Scotland for three days on bikes and you know if someone calls and says do you want to go and ride around Scotland for three days on bikes I can say yes and if you know when when Ruth called me and said do you want to come to the states for four weeks to shoot I could just say yes and that kind of flexibility is why I why I do it and mixed with that is that I obviously still have big ambitions in triathlon and working myself into oblivion and not looking after my mental state isn't making me go faster so um yeah i need to put especially while i'm still so young need to put like you know the flexibility and the sporting side of my life first because work isn't going anywhere i'm still you know i'm surviving i make good enough money to enjoy the the lifestyle i have and i need to be be grateful for that and spend a bit more time enjoying it while it's here yeah i think that's like the same as like a, like a lot of it i remember when i was like just when i was trying to do my uni and rowing and stuff because i think a lot of people who are in like sport and everything have this mindset of if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna do it well and no one yeah. likes to do things half-heartedly so you want to do everything that you everything that you every pot that you have a hand in you want it to be the best of your ability to do yeah, it absolutely and yeah. I always found with like when I was doing the rowing in my uni I like wanted the rowing to be as like I was trying to go to under 23 so I knew that the standard I had to be at was really high and I was at uni so I knew this I wanted to at least leave uni with a 2-1 and yeah. I was like you get yourself into this like rut and I remember speaking to my dad about it on the phone and my dad was just like you know what Sam like you can go back to uni you can't row forever like just yeah. drop out of uni you can carry on with rowing and I was like dad I have three weeks left <laughs> it's three weeks and then I can just row <laughs> it was just a case of like I like 
I, I like this is great that you're supporting me like this and that you've said this to me but actually right now I just need you to tell me that I can keep going <laughs> but and that's why but that's why like that's why elite athletes are just they do just do their sport because if we did try to do yeah. something else alongside we would just run ourselves into the floor because that's just the mentality that elite athletes have and that's just that's why they are where they are because they do put in the hard work and they do go to beyond the limits of what other people do and that's what defines so like that's what gets you there and so yeah. it is something you do have to be really careful of and it's not and like you then you can look at it as a positive because it's not like you turning something down and you failed at something actually you're doing you want to do it too well that it means you can't do something else as well yeah we just set the standards so high right like I really it's exactly that like I really struggle if I feel like I've done a half job it really eats at me uh, there's nothing worse than it's that like letting people down isn't it like there's nothing worse than finishing yeah. something and feeling like I've not yeah not given it the best job I could and that's the same like sports work racing training you know like even if it's an easy session you know I want to be doing it easily to the best of my ability you know like it you know am I actually doing the right things am I is everything in play you know it's like I suppose what I'm trying to say is I struggle to differentiate importance you know like it doesn't matter whether it seems the most yeah. trivial thing or it's the biggest race of my year I still want to execute each task with the same quality yeah well I guess if like if we think something's worth doing then it's worth doing properly and yeah exactly it's either a yes or it's a no because we're not happy giving something in between it's like okay this is the opportunity and it's right I know that I'm going to give it 100%. So it's either, yes, I will do it 100% or actually, no, I'm not going to do it at all. But that's why the opportunities come your way, right? Because if you're renowned for being the person that does everything half-heartedly, then, you know, you don't get those, those, you know, people aren't on the phone to you saying, I've got this opportunity. Do you want to come and get stuck in? I suppose the only thing we do do half-heartedly is that podcast we keep saying we'll record and then never get around to it. <laughs> No, but then what we can turn around and say is that actually we just don't do half heart episodes. Yeah, that is true. The episodes that we that do do true. are of a high quality. <laughs> I would Because yeah, honestly, there are, yeah, but there are days when like we've organised to do something and I've messaged you to be like, you know what, I actually can't do it today because I can't, I'm not, I'm not there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't want to, if we're having people on and stuff and guests, like, you don't want to be kind of there. Like, I don't want to just be like, yeah, you want to be fully engaged and want to do it properly. So we've definitely messaged you. Like we have, it's not like we haven't planned to do a podcast earlier. It's that we've just <laughs> never, neither of us have been in the space to actually go, what, okay, I can actually do a good one now. <laughs> we've even got the guests lined up. And that's fine. Yeah, our yeah, guests no, have been waiting for months. <laughs> He did get it was him though, because we did leave on a cliffhanger, and he did get. Yeah, he did. He knows it's him. Yeah, he'll. Uh, we'll Just get no one else soon. does yet. <laughs> well, we've got. You've, People we've have got forgotten time about now. that. Yeah, exactly. I have plenty of time. Yeah, exactly. So do I. I don't do any work anymore. 
I have plenty of time and I have a professional setup. Some could say I'm a professional podcaster. Yeah, yours, your sound will be loads better than mine is. Well, that's if I've put, apart from the freaking birds that I've brought along. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> apart from the fact I'm doing it in a rainforest <laughs> with a load of birds. You honestly sound like you're in a, what, what are they called? Like a AV? I'm not going to embarrass myself, so I'm not even going to suggest it. But I do have, I thought there was something like an Avery, but I don't know if that's what it is. Yeah, Avery, that's it. Is it an Avery? Oh, that's okay. Now I also have a cat. <laughs> I must have left my bedroom door open as well. An aviary is a large enclosure for confining birds. Unlike bird cages, aviaries allow birds a larger living space where they can fly. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. The cat can obviously hear the birds. Can you, can you now hear the cat? Pussy yeah. cat! <laughs> Welcome to the Animal Farm podcast <laughs> with Jack and Sam. It's so loud, it's such a needy cat. <laughs> Also, I thought I'd shut my bedroom. I actually thought I'd shut my bedroom door as well. So I have a feeling that you can hear the cat through the bedroom door. But I'm not getting up because it's an effort to get up. And um, I say I'm comfortable lying here. I'm not that comfortable. But have you slept since? Since my operation? No, not really. <laughs> One night I yeah. got like the pajama duvet weather all completely wrong and was wearing way two thicker pajamas for the temperature and basically just i think i had about two hours sleep because i was just lying there sweating and i couldn't do anything like, you know when it's like muggy and you like you spend your whole night like in the under the duvet out of the duvet like roll i just couldn't do any of that yeah. so i was literally just lying here sweating overshare but it was disgusting <laughs> and i also have to yeah. wear these like long compression socks for two weeks which right. are also really annoying and get quite itchy. Um, also an absolute pain in the ass to put on, but I do have, my dad has developed a very good technique of how to do that for me. Yeah, I saw from the Instagram that your dad has put yeah, your socks on for it's you. Yeah, it's great, 28 years old and you can't put your own socks on. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I can dress myself. I've found a way to do everything else. I just can't put the compression socks on. No, that's right. That's legit, I think. So, yeah, so I'm kind of hoping that I can be out of these before I go back down south and I have to ask other people to put my socks on for me. I did actually epilate my legs as well because I knew that I wouldn't be able to shave them for a long time. Nice. I need to epilate mine, actually. Freaking hell, it's, it's quite, so painful. It's so painful. It's not after a while. It gets easier. Oh, oh, my God. I honestly... It does get... I promise it gets easier. The first time I had to do it in two sittings, I had to do it over two days because it got so painful. <laughs> He was. I looked like an if idiot. If I can do it, you can do it. Well, I can do it now, but honestly, it's like it's the sound of it is so loud, and it hurts. You mean you zipper, not the lawnmower? <laughs> honestly, I just bought a cheap one though, because I wasn't really planning on it being a yeah. thing. But I've just got a cheap one. It's a thing. So there's some advice for any listeners who are thinking about epilating their legs. Just what our listeners came to came to hear. Well, you know what? How to epilate with Sam and Jack in the zoo. People, people, in this, I might, someone might have been considering it and I've just helped them make their decision. Oh, I'll tell you, it's great. It means you have to shave a lot less. Um, for all those tennis fans, Andy Murray is a setup and is 
four games to three in the second set. Because yeah. Andy Murray is actually super, is my inspiration now. Because he's had his hips operated right. on. And yeah. he's still tricky. If anyone hasn't watched his documentary on Amazon called Resurfaced, 100% recommend watching it. If you like me... I haven't watched it Oh, yet. honestly. If you like it. me, I cried. I've watched it twice and I've cried both times, even though I know what happens. But it, he's just... He's like my favourite sports person because he just loves sport. He loves playing tennis. And that's why he's still going. And even though people tell him that and asking why he's doing it and does he enjoy being like ranked 100 in the world and all of this, like he just loves playing tennis and he loves playing at Wimbledon. And it made my day when he saw that he was going to represent Great Britain at the Olympics. Like, I just think he's a hero. So shout out for Andy Murray. So Andy, mate, we know you're listening. Um yeah, good luck. Yeah, in, good uh, luck for Wimbledon. Game. Good luck at the Olympics. <laughs> I will be watching and I will be cheering. Who do you know that knows Andy Murray? We'll have to send it through. I don't think I have any connections to Andy Murray, to be honest. Right. Well, we should probably um probably wrap this one up. We've had a bit of a catch yeah, up. Yeah, the next podcast will have a guest. It will, yeah, and it will be sooner yes. rather than later. Is there anything else you need to add before we love love you and leave you? Don't think so. Just whoever is listening, thanks for everyone for all of everyone's messages. They're, they've been um, much appreciated. I do love everybody. But yeah, thanks. That's about it for me. Yeah, I'll echo that. Friends are it's, good, aren't um, they? They are. They are. Yeah, I don't know where we do that then. Yeah, until the next time. Ciao. Like and subscribe. And tell your friends Please. if you've got any guest ideas for us. We've got the next four, we think. But after that, line us up. <laughs>